Hey there, and welcome to The Social Podcast, where we give you our monthly conversations on different young adult topics and weekly sermons from our Tuesday night service. Currently, we're in a sermon series called Anointed. In this series, we're studying the book of 1 Samuel through the lives of the three main characters in the book, Samuel, Saul, and David. Each of their lives show us different aspects of God's character, as well as what we should pursue and what we are to avoid as followers of Jesus Christ. Here's this week's sermon from The Social. Good evening, social. My name is Ryan Blackwell. I have the privilege of serving as one of the teaching pastors here at Cross Church. And, and I mean this, I get so excited when I get the special invitation to come and hang out with you guys on a Tuesday night and open God's Word. Been so excited about that as I've been preparing, been praying for you. Um, really, I don't say this just to puff you up. I really don't. From my vantage point, this group is one of the most important groups in the life of our church, because you've got the time, you've got the energy, you've got the giftings, you've got the resources to make a massive difference for the kingdom of God. As I look around this room, I know many of you have seen what many of you are doing, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you for reaching Northwest Arkansas, America, and the world. Thank you for all that you're doing to serve our church. This group is vitally, vitally important. Now, it's already been a good night for me. Not only have I been able to worship with you guys, but I started a little tradition over the last two months that every time I preach at Pinnacle, I've just made this tradition. I I, I won't sacrifice it. I always will go to one of my favorite locations in Northwest Arkansas, and that is a little slice of heaven called half-baked goodness. Anybody else in the room? I'm just telling you, if you haven't been, it's like, half a mile away, the best chocolate chip cookie in Northwest Arkansas. And that's not, I I like crumble. I like other ones. I'm equal opportunity when it comes to cookies. I'm just telling you, this is the best hot cookie there is in Northwest Arkansas. And so on my way up here, I I grabbed two. Honestly, if I just a little confession, I thought I'm going to have a little pregame meal. I'm going to have a little postgame meal. I got through one cookie and I thought that wasn't a good idea. So I actually have one cookie with me. Anybody want one? That was the first hand I saw. There you go. Congratulations. Everybody else, go after the service. It's fantastic. After pickleball. Sorry, Jeremy. Hey, uh, if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to go ahead and open it with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4, all right? You can do it on your phone. If you're new to the Bible, here's what I tell you. 1 Timothy, it's in the New Testament, so go toward the right side of your Bible and look for what I call the T section of the Scriptures. And in the New Testament, you find 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Timothy, Titus, all back to back to back. So if you find the T's, you'll make your way there. Right now, we are walking through a series of messages um, about really the identity of the social, who this ministry is and where you as a ministry are going. Uh, really in this sermon series, I, I got to listen to the first two. It, it's really the heart behind the ministry. It's what makes this ministry tick, what we want to be committed to. And as we look at this third one, you've already looked at we are open, we are family. As you look at this third one, here, here's what I'd put in front of you. If this one isn't happening, none of the other ones are going to happen for very long. Like if this one's not right, the other two that you've already looked at, the one that you're going to look at next week, it's not going to happen. So I just say this one is vitally important. I'm going to put it on the screen. Here's here's who we are at the social. We are growing. All right. Can can all of you just say it with me together? We are growing. Okay. I, I would just put this general life principle in front of you as we begin, just for you to think about. Healthy things grow. 
Like when something is healthy, it grows. This is true of many of the, the businesses that you're part of. If it's healthy, man, it's usually growing in the right direction. This is, this is true of my kids. Some of you were like, what is this board that he brought on stage? Um, this is a board that I've had for the last 14 years in my house. And it measures the growth of all my children. Okay, so if you could look closely, there's this one. This was when my daughter was one year old. Now, we are much past that. We're seven years past that point that she was one. And if you could look at this, here's what you're going to find. Because my daughter is healthy, there's growth. She went from being a baby, we had to kind of stand her up for the bottom one, to being a toddler, to being a kid. Now I've got a 14-year-old son who's like up here with me. So like there, there's a healthy child and a healthy child grows. Well, as you think about how this principle plays out in ministry, Yes, we could look at this whole ministry of the social and say, we are growing as a ministry. We want to be healthy as a ministry. We want to add people to the ministry. We want to grow as a ministry. All that would be good and true. That's not what we're talking about tonight. As, as you think about this concept of we are growing, here, here's what we're talking about. We're talking about you. We're talking about each one of you in this room making a personal commitment. I want to desire to grow in my walk with Christ. I want to take steps to grow in my love for Jesus. I want to grow as a Christian. And that's a very, very important decision to make because here's what I tell you. Just as healthy things grow, in the Bible clearly from beginning to end, here's the, the main point, healthy Christians grow. It happens. The natural byproduct of you walking with Jesus is growth. It's a very, very important thing for us to look at. Now, about 14 years ago, uh, a guy named Simon Sinek, who I think Jeremy, I guess, mentioned last week, which is funny. I'd already written this sermon, thought through it. Uh, he, he came out with a very viral TED Talk called Start With The Why. Anybody watch that? None of you? Okay, 14 years ago, I get it. That's all right. He, he's also come out with a book, if you'd rather read a book. It's called Start With The Why. This is really kind of what set him on the map. And it's a great book because here, here's the main concept of what he's trying to get across. He says, normally, when, when people are trying to get you to do something, they answer the questions what and how, but often to the neglect of the more important question, why? Uh, let, me, let me just kind of give you an example to try to make this come alive for you. Um, imagine a scenario where here at Cross Church, we just desperately needed all of you, many of you in this room, to work in our student ministry on Wednesday nights. So in a church setting, what often happens? Somebody comes to the stage and they give an announcement that looks something like this. Hey, we desperately need you to serve on Wednesday nights with our student ministry. So meet me out in the back lobby and you can sign up after the service, right? That announcement focuses on the what and the how. What do we need you to do? We need you to serve. How? Come to the lobby, get plugged in. You want to know how many of you are going to go to the back lobby and meet me to start serving in the student ministry if that's the announcement that I bring? Zero. None of you. At least maybe one or two of you because you feel guilty if you don't sign up for everything. But most of you in this room, right, are not going to do that. Why? Because we don't care about the what and the how if we aren't connected to the why. Does that make sense? You, you got to understand why? Uh, a personal example of this. Anyone else in the room hate reading as you grew up? Just want to admit it? Okay, good. Many of you just like me. I hated reading. Like did not want to read. And what did my teachers do? Every single year, they'd give me new books and they'd say, we want you to read this. 
Here's the, here's the book to read. My parents noticed that I wasn't a reader. They put me in a class to learn how to read faster, thinking this will help him to desire to read. I hated reading. You want to know what? I didn't read anything. Fast forward to my senior year of high school. I was a part of this church, and, and Ronnie Floyd invited me to a lunch. He was our pastor at the time. And he knew I was uh, sensing just a call to ministry in my life. And I came to that, that table. We were at a restaurant, and he had three books, and he put them in front of me. He said, Ryan... If you want to be a leader in the future in Jesus's church and make any kind of impact in your life as a believer, you're gonna need to read. Here's three books that I want you to read. You wanna know what I did? About two weeks, I read those three books and I have not stopped reading since. Now, what's the difference? My teachers, my parents, they focused on the what and how. We want you to read and here's how to read. My pastor pulled me aside and said, here's why you need to be a reader, and my life has never been the same. Now, I tell you all of that to say this. When it comes to this idea of we as a, as a minister, we are wanting to be growing. We want to grow in our walk with God. Here's what we often do. We focus on the what and the how. What do I need to do to grow? Read your Bible, right? Pray. Sometimes we even tell you, here's how to read your Bible. We give you reading plans or, or we say, here's how to pray. Here's A-C-T-S, right? Like adoration, confession. We, we give you all these what's and how's. And here's the thing, all that is important. We need those things. We need to know what it is. We need to know how it's supposed to happen. But often we neglect the why. Why does it matter that we grow? What, what I love about this passage in 1 Timothy is, is, Timothy, you think about this. This is Paul, the older Pastor Paul writing this young Christian named Timothy, who he has sent out on mission. Timothy has all sorts of questions. And as Paul is telling him both the what and the how, what I love about this passage is what its real focus is, is the why. Why do we want to grow as a ministry? That's really what this is going to get into today. So if you would, let's start in verse seven. We're going to read this one verse, stop for a little bit, and then we'll finish with the text here in just a little bit. Paul says this to Timothy. He says, Timothy, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. So, so let's start with the what, okay? What, what is it that we want to grow in? Like when we're gonna make this commitment as a ministry, what is it that we wanna grow in? Here it is, one word. We wanna grow in godliness, okay? Godliness. Paul gets right to the point here because there's this danger lurking. If you go back into this time in the church of Ephesus that is still lurking today. And that is that many of the believers that were living in Ephesus that Timothy was trying to minister to were being caught up in teachings and lifestyles that were distracted from the main point of their Christian life. Their eyes have been taken off of Jesus, off the, the gospel, and onto all these other endeavors that they could run after. And so Paul looks at him straight in the face. He says, give nothing, have nothing to do with these teachings. Stop getting distracted by these silly little things that are moving you off your target. Rather, he says what? Train for godliness. Now, the most important word in that, that this whole passage is this word godliness. Uh, Paul uses it eight times in this really short letter. So clearly, it had very, very important place for Paul as he's instructing him. And this word godliness, it really does bring together two realities. And you really need to get this. This is what we're going after as a minister. Two realities. 
that they would be growing in their knowledge of God, okay? That's what we're after. We wanna grow in our knowledge of God, but also that their life would align in every part of their life with that knowledge of God. That's what godliness looks like, to be growing in your knowledge of God and for your life to increasingly match up with the knowledge of God that you have. Does that make sense? You see, Paul understands that they, they could go after many, many outcomes in their life. Like, just like you guys in this room, you could go after many different endeavors in your life. You could go after having a successful career. You could make that your number one priority. Uh, you, could, you could work on upping your game so you can find a spouse, right? Like you can put all your time into building a reputation. You, you, can, you can try to gain all these great adventures that you can post on social media. Like you can make many outcomes in your life. But here's what Paul is saying. There is nothing more important to go after in your life than to increase the knowledge that you have of God and for your life to represent that knowledge more and more and more and more. He says, train for godliness. I think it's such a, a, such a great, great word. Now, let me just give you this important caveat. When we talk about training for godliness, what I don't want you to see or think is that you can enter into a relationship with God by some effort of your own. Okay, the Bible never says that. The Bible is very, very clear throughout Scripture. God is infinitely holy. Okay, he's infinitely good. He's infinitely perfect and we are not. Every single one of us from Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden to, to each one of us in the social tonight, every single one of us has what the Bible calls fallen short of the glory of God. We, we've sinned in big ways. We've sinned in small ways. And the result of the presence of sin in our life is not only that our lives are broken, right? The world around us is broken, but here's the main thing with God. We're separated from him. There's a chasm there that we cannot train enough, we cannot work enough, we cannot be good enough to get over that chasm on our own. But the scripture unfolds this beautiful plan that God had from eternity past to bring us back into relationship with him. John three sixteen, verse that many of you know, but let this set in your heart again tonight. Here's what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. This is the plan of God. Ephesians chapter two says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of any of your works so that no one can boast. Now, do you notice the thread that is woven in both of those scriptures? God loved, God saved, God gave right? Like all of your salvation from beginning to end, your relationship, your knowledge of God, it is all a gift from him. If you're a Christian in this room, you cannot train yourself enough to get that relationship, to gain that knowledge of God. But God, because he loves you, has made a way through the work of Jesus that you can know God personally. What a gift, right? And yet here's what I find. Far too many Christians, as they enter into this knowledge of God, they get saved. They have a relationship with him and they, they get this incredible relationship. It's at that point that they stop pursuing him. They, they get to a point in their life where they think, you know what? I got enough God. My knowledge of him, I, I feel good. I feel saved. Uh, I, I'm, I'm clearly going to church. I'm going to the social on Tuesday nights. Like I've got enough God. This is where my pursuit 
of him ends. If you're here and you'd be honest tonight, and, and here's just a question for you. If you'd be honest with us, how much time do you actually spend in intentional pursuit of knowing God more? Of growing in your knowledge of him, of growing in your life, becoming more, like how much time do you set aside? This is what I'm going to go after. If you're in this room and you say, yeah, Ryan, that, that's kind of me. I, I kind of, I'm at the surface level of knowledge of God. Like I feel good about that. Uh, today, I want you to know, I don't, I don't judge you. I'm not looking down on you. Here's what I want you to understand. You're missing out on so much more that is available to you. So much more. To, to be satisfied with a surface level knowledge of God uh, would be I, I just this picture came to me this week. It'd be like the pilgrims. I was helping my daughter work on a little thing and they're on the Mayflower and they come to the coastline of, the Amer- of America, right? Think about this. For the first time, they see this beautiful American coastline. Having a surface level knowledge of God would be like coming to that point and saying, you know what? We're good here. Let's turn this boat around. We've seen enough. When that coastline is but a sliver of all the beauty that lays behind it. That's exactly what we do when we say, you know what? I'm satisfied with where I'm at. I don't care about growing in my knowledge of God. We're missing the entire United States of America just because we've experienced the coastline. Does that make sense? There is a desire to know God that each one of us who are following Christ, we need to go after. I love this. A.W. Tozer, one of my favorite pastors, he said this. He said, God can show a new aspect of his glory to us each day for all the days of eternity. And we have but begun to explore the depths of the riches of his infinite being. Have you ever experienced that? Where, where the more you get of God, the more you think, man, there is so much more for me to get. The closer I get to him, the more there is. And every single day it's growing. Friend, for each one of you in this room, is that, is that your relationship right now? Are you desiring that kind of growth or are you just kind of satisfied? There are others of us in this room, and, and I've been there before too, that you have a ton of knowledge of God. Like, like you look at your life and you've been at church maybe since the moment you were born. Your parents had you in church. You've been coming to church. You've got all this knowledge, but you got to remember there's another side to godliness. It's not just knowing about God. It's knowing him in such a way that your life looks like him more and more and more. Wherever we find ourselves, whether it's just a surface level knowledge of God or a powerless knowledge of God, we're, we're not growing, we're not being changed. Here's what Paul's message is for you. It's time to go into training. It's time to work. It's time to grow. And friends, it doesn't matter who you are, that takes effort. Um, I gotta believe that many of you have been to the beach and experienced something that, that I experience almost every time I go to the beach. I'm sorry, my voice is going out. My allergies are killing me. Anybody else? Like, I'm just telling you, it's brutal. But every time I go to the beach, I'm out there boogie boarding, snorkeling, doing something, and I'll look back at the coastline, and where do you find yourself? Are you right where you started? No. Usually you're like 50 yards down, you're like, oh my gosh. And so you begin to trudge against the current, making your way back to the intended destination, where you actually want to be, right? Here's what I've learned after many years of living the Christian life. None of us drifts toward growing in Christ. If you want to grow in Christ, here's what you got to do. You got to go against the current of the world to get to that intended destination. It takes energy. It takes word, work. And that's what this word training is all about. Train is, is the Greek word here is the, the word gymnasi, 
which is such a great word, but if you think about it, it's, it's the root word from which we get our word gymnastics or gymnasium. Literally, it is a word that has the stench of sweat. Uh, how many of you in this room have run a marathon or a half marathon? Just be bold, raise your hand. All right, everybody look around. Those are the crazy people in this room, okay? <laughs> crazy. I've never, I always love it. You see the people with like the 26.2 sticker on the back. I've always wanted somebody to have like a 1.3, just proudly put it on there, like <laughs> dominated that 1.3. No one that runs a marathon just decides one day, I'm gonna run, I'm gonna run 26 miles and goes and does it without any training. If you do, it's gonna be a very painful endeavor. It's not gonna go well. Any training requires longevity, it requires discipline. It requires work. Uh, I'm, I'm in this mode right now. I, I, I've talked about this on Sunday mornings, but uh, me and Jeremy and about 10 other guys are training right now to climb the highest freestanding mountain in the world, Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa. This December, our plan is to do it. We'll see if we make it. But right now, I am all in on training. And here's what that training looks like. It, it means I got to say no to some things so I can say yes to other things. Like right now, I'm in a season where I'm saying no to a lot of sleep so that I can say yes to some very early morning boot camps. Like brutal, brutal boot camps. This morning, I didn't even know what rucking was like two months ago. This morning, I did five miles of rucking. I could almost not get up the stairs tonight. It's how bad my legs are hurting. I've had to say no to lots and lots of French fries. Didn't say no to half-baked goodness tonight. That was an unwise decision. (laughs) Yes to lots of healthy food. Why? Because I have this goal in mind that I'm training for and it's gonna take work. It's gonna take saying no to many things, even good things, so that I can say yes to the better thing. And that's exactly what this training idea looks like. What does it look like to train for godliness? It means you gotta say no to some things, even some good things, and yes, some bad things, so that you can say yes to what Paul says is the most important endeavor of the Christian life, training for godliness, to know God more and more, to look like him more and more as a ministry. Here's our commitment. We are growing. That's the what, train for godliness. But that leads us to the second one. We're not gonna spend much time here because I really believe that, that with a little effort, you guys could figure this one out. But the question becomes How? And I would describe the answer to that with two simple words. How do we grow? Like, how do we grow in our love for God and and our our impact for him? Here it is, spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines, it's it's real simple. Some of you cringe at that word discipline, right? But here's what you have to understand. This is not like those bad things that, that you, man, you just hate doing. Friends, spiritual disciplines literally are an invitation to the life that you long for. You, you, do you want peace? Like some of you battle anxiety. Do you want peace? Do you want joy? Do you want healthy relationships? Like, like, do you want contentment? Do you want to live a life of purpose? The spiritual disciplines literally are an invitation. They are the open door toward the life that you are meant to live in Christ with all those things. Uh, Donald Whitney wrote a great book. It's it's called Spiritual Disciplines. You can go read it. It's great. But here's how he defines spiritual disciplines. I found it helpful. He says, spiritual disciplines are those practices found in scripture that promote spiritual growth among believers in the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
They are the habits of devotion and experiential Christianity that have been practiced by the people of God since biblical times. Now, as you think about that definition, we can leave that definition up for a second. I want to highlight just a few things that, that he describes because I think sometimes we get ideas of spiritual disciplines and we just get off. Here's number one, make note their practices, okay? In other words, they're, they're not qualities, they're not characteristics. These are things that you and I are called to do. Now, on the next screen, I'm going to put just a list of spiritual disciplines that I have found extremely helpful in my life. As you look at this list, I, I would just ask yourself, where, where do I need to grow? Uh, if, if I, if I'm, am I doing these things? Am I not doing things? You can look at them. Here's some examples. Reading the Bible. That's very clearly one. Uh, meditating on the Bible. I love this one. Uh, a lot of times people are like, I don't, I don't get meditating on the Bible. What's the difference in reading and meditating? Here's, here's the picture I like to use. Uh, imagine just getting a cup of tea ready, right? You get your tea bag out and, and here's what reading the Bible is like. It's, you got the water, it's scalding hot and you take the tea bag and you put it in for a second and then you quickly take it out. Now, is that helpful? Yeah. Does it impact the water some? A little bit. But the way more influential thing that's going to happen to that tea is if you do what? You take the tea bag and you leave it in there and you let it simmer, right? That's what it looks like to meditate on the word of God. Not just to read it, but to sit with it, to, to chew on it, to, to come back to it later in the day, for it to, to, to really change the substance of who you are. That's what it looks like to meditate on the scripture. Memorizing the Bible, prayer, fasting, serving, gathering with other Christians, what you're doing tonight, small groups, what you guys do, worship, stewarding your resources, being generous, Sabbath. All the things on that list, notice, are things that you and I do, and then, you know, Sabbath, things that you don't do, right? This is what it looks like to practice spiritual disciplines. Now, as you look at that list, another thing I want you to notice is that they're all biblical, okay? And, and that may be like, well, Ryan, that's common sense that, that, that the Bible would teach these things. But, but here's what I often find. People begin to call spiritual disciplines things that are not spiritual disciplines, uh, you got many people today that will be like, well, I golf as my spiritual discipline, right? Or, or I love to go to the lake for my spiritual discipline. I, I watch this thing on Dr. Phil and I'm doing that. That's my spiritual discipline. Uh, here's what I tell you. None of those things are bad, but oftentimes we do those things to, ne to the neglect of the things that God has promised that when we do these, do these things, he will draw near to us. And so I just encourage you as you look at this list, man, what is God calling you to do? What, what does your growth need to look like? And, and what, which of these are you sacrificing? What are you saying? I'm, I don't really need that. God's saying, yes, if you want to grow, follow me in these ways. One last thing about spiritual disciplines is that none of the things on the screen behind me create spiritual growth in and of themselves. Okay? And this is really important to understand. None of these things are the end goal. Okay? And that, this is where a lot of people get off, Right? They create a list. I'm going to read my Bible this many times a day. And they just see it as a checklist. Well, I got to do it. 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 That will never create growth in the Christian life. Nothing that you or I do, no amount of willpower training can cause us to grow in Christ. But here's what the spiritual disciplines are. They place us in a position where God can change us. All these things. All you're doing is setting the table for God to do a work in your life. Uh, Galatians has a great passage that I think is helpful in this. Galatians 6, 8 says this, For the one who sows to his own flesh 
will from the flesh reap corruption, okay? So you sow to the flesh, sow to your sinful nature, you're gonna reap corruption. But it says, but the one who sows to the spirit will from who? From the spirit reap eternal life. Now this is, this is a farming illustration. And while I know probably very few of you in this room are farmers, think about it. A farmer cannot cause a crop to grow, right? What's the role of the farmer? to cultivate the land in such a way that the crop can grow. So what do they do? They, they till the ground. Every single day they go out and they, they put out seed. Day after day they come and they water the ground. They do everything they do to place the ground in a position for it to grow, but they cannot grow it themselves. That's exactly what we do when we enter into the spiritual disciplines where we're setting the table, where when we go to the Lord in prayer, we can't cause growth, but as we go to him, as we set the table, what happens? The Lord speaks to us and he moves. When we open the word of God, we're setting the table. When you choose to go and be part of a small group and study the word of God with others, you're setting the table. When you lift your hands in worship, you're setting the table for the spirit to do what only the spirit can do. And that is to grow you. This is why spiritual disciplines are so important. They are the pathway to God doing a new work, a growing work in your life. And so how do we do it? We enter into the spiritual disciplines. Finally, and we're going to close with this. Let's ask the question that I I started with. Why? You know, if, if, if we're supposed to train for godliness and we do that through spiritual disciplines, why Why does this all matter? Well, he tells us in this last part of the verse, and here's the answer. Growing in godliness is of greater worth than anything else that you could ever pursue. If there's one thing that I've found in my life, and I've grown in a number of ways, I've learned a number of things, it's this. Growing in godliness is of greater worth than anything else in your life that you could ever pursue. Look with me at verse seven. It says, rather train yourself for godliness. Why? For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. What does that look like? As it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. So what Paul's doing in these verses is he's contrasting two things. Bodily training, like physical training, muscle training, and spiritual training, where you're going after godliness. And he says, hands down, one has a better rate of return. Hands down, it's spiritual training. Now, is he, is he saying that, that bodily training is not important? Like, I look out here, you, many of you are fit. Like, is, is, not, is, is not, not important? Of course it is. He says that has some value. But here's the thing. It has only some value because it's limited in how helpful it is to you. How's it, how's it limited? It's limited to two things, limited to your body and it's limited to this life. What's he saying? Here's the reality. When, when each one of us dies and you get put in a casket, no one's gonna come by that casket and think, man, I bet he's glad that he did 10 more reps on, of push-ups there. <laughs> And I bet they're, I'm really glad that they went and ran around, you know, Lake Fayetteville that day. It, it does you no good when you're dead. As great as bodily training can be in this life for your body, right? Like it's helpful, but it's not of the same value. But then he says, hey, let's look at the other side. Look at training for godliness. 
Look at this commitment that, that social is making. We want to grow. This has promise. What does he say? For the present life and the life to come. In other words, he's saying, you, you train for godliness and it has benefits for you. It has a rate of return that is unlike anything else in this life. You want peace. You want joy. Again, you want healthy relationships. All of that comes through training for godliness. You want to have relationships that are, are not um, marred by bitterness. You, you don't want to live for greed, but you want to have a greater purpose. You want to make a spiritual impact. He says, godliness, training has impact in this life. But here's the thing. There's also the life to come. And on that day, when you're in that hospital bed, I, I spent time this week with a woman in our church who literally was taking her last breaths. I sat next to her bed and I heard her breath and she's fighting for breath one after the other. Earlier this week, she took her last breath and she opened her eyes in glory. And here's what I want you to know. In that moment, when that happens for you, and apart from Jesus returning, that's gonna happen to every single one of us. In that moment, when you close your eyes for the last time on this earth and you open your eyes in glory, I can guarantee there will not be one regret for the things that you said no to in this life so that you could say yes to knowing Jesus more. What you're gonna find in that moment is that even for those of you in this room that know him and you're growing in him, what we experience in this life is like the coastline. It's like a sliver of all that we're gonna get to experience for all of eternity. And so here's my question to you. Are you growing? Like, like this is a commitment that the social is making. We are going to grow. We're going to commit to one another. We're going to commit to our small groups. Like we're going to commit, like we want to grow. We're going to do the spiritual disciplines. We're going to train. We're going to say no to some good things so that we can say yes to the better things. This is who we are and it's who we want to be. Can you say that individually? Are you growing? If I can pick this back up, if the Lord were to bring out a measuring stick and he were to put your spiritual life on this board, would you look any different six months ago to today? Like, have you grown in your love for God? Very simple. Do you love him more today than you did six months ago? Have you grown in your knowledge of God, who he is, what he can do? Have you grown in such a way that your life reflects the knowledge of God that you have? Do you look more and more and more like him? Or like me in many moments of my life, as you look at your life, would you say, you know what? Kind of the same place. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's sin. There's a sin that's caused you to stop growing, that, that you've just been unwilling to surrender to the Lord. You've been unwilling to say, you know what? I trust you, God. You know better than I do. I'm going to give this thing up. Maybe it's an idol. Maybe it's a distraction. Not a bad thing. But if you're honest, you'd say, there's a reason I haven't grown. And it's this good thing that has become an ultimate thing over God. Maybe some of you are just satisfied today saying, you know what? I'm good. Could it be that God is calling you tonight to say, you know what? I want to grow. 
I want more of God. I don't want to look at the coastline, man. I want to enter into the coastline. And I want to go further and further and further. I want to know him more. I want to look like him more. Would you make that commitment tonight? There are others of you in this room that, you'd be honest, I have this measuring stick. You'd say, Ryan, I'm not even on there. I don't have a relationship with God. And what I told you earlier is absolutely true. You can't do anything to earn that on your own. You can't go out and try to do enough spiritual disciplines. You can't read your Bible enough. You can't pray enough. None of those things are going to bring you into a relationship with God. But friend, God loves you enough that he has made a way for you to be in that relationship. And it has nothing to do with what you've done. It's what he has done for you. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead so that you could be reconnected. You could be forgiven of your sin and brought back into a relationship with God. If that's you, in just a moment, we're all going to stand up and we're going to worship. We're going to have leaders from the social all in the back area. If that's you, I just want to encourage you, as, as we stand up and worship, just leave your seat, go back there and say, I want to know God. I want to begin this process of growing in my relationship. I want peace. I need forgiveness. Would you take that step today? For those of you who are Christians, man, what's the commitment you're going to make? Some of you, you are growing. You want to know what your commitment is? I want to keep growing. I'm not satisfied. I want more of God. Tonight, would you make that commitment? Some of you, again, are stagnant. You haven't grown. And there's a reason for that. Maybe tonight is a night to to get on our knees and just confess those things. Say, God, I want to grow again. If you need prayer tonight, you say, man, I just need help. I want to know what it looks like to grow. Again, we're going to have leaders in the back. But as we move into this time of response, I want to pray for you because I want God to do a work in your life that I can't do. I can't cause growth in you, but he can. And so let's go to him together. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for your word that helps open our eyes to some of the distractions and the lies that we've believed. I confess, Lord, that there have been moments even this week that my eyes have have, have been distracted because I believe that something is more valuable than spending time with you. I'm tempted to believe that a workout in the morning is more valuable than time in your word. I'm tempted to believe that, that my job is more important. I'm surrounded by temptation. And so, Lord, I confess that, Lord. I pray as, as this group enters into a time of worship, Lord, that we would be changed by you. Would you open our eyes to sin? Would you open our eyes to distraction? Would we make a renewed commitment tonight? We want to grow. For those that don't know you, I pray that they would come to know you tonight. Would you move in our hearts as we continue to worship you? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.